James Bond. Charming, sophisticated secret agent. <laughs> Shaken, but not disturbed. <laughs> As a matter of fact, our man in Hong Kong is working on it now. Why do Chinese girls taste different from all other girls? Like Peking duck is different from Russian caviar, but I love them both. Darling, I give... What the fuck? Give hey. your very best duck. Well, that'd be lovely. We've had some interesting times together, Ling. I'd be sorry to go. Welcome to Shaking Knots, third of the Definitive James Bond movie podcast. Here we are, four idiots talking about You Only Live Twice. It's got Bond, it's got blatant racism, it's got terrible things all around. This is going to be an absolutely shred cast of this movie. Gentlemen, how are we doing? How are you? What's going on? Chilling, chilling. It's been a great ride until now. We've had four strong movies, and now we get to some of the rough stuff. Listen, super racist clip, but to, to stand Bond here... Duck is very different from caviar. Super different. Woman can make a great duck. Yeah, and she's not even talking about duck. No, nope. it's like the it's like the text autocorrect from duck to fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Big Bond fan who made that. Yeah, classic. No doubt. I mean, even before that though, the British diplomat scene, right, where it's the Americans and the Russians talking with one another after the ridiculous space scene with terrible models. That British diplomat might have the best British accent of all time. I could listen to that guy read me a menu. That guy could call me and read me to sleep. It's it's fantastic, the, the accent there. The Singapore and Sea of Japan, just the, the accentuation on things. Is, it is the quintessential British accent. It's fucking fantastic. Don't know who he is. I never even looked up who the guy was, but it's wonderful. Yeah, and he kind of talks down to the U.S. diplomat as well. Totally puts him into his place. There, there's so much going on in, in the opening of this movie. There's spaceships eating spaceships and people. Guy Dude, getting thrown it's, off it's space space. Pac-Man. Oh, it's, it's, it's legitimate it's, spaceship Pac-Man. Waka, 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 waka. Narrow shaft. If you're going to kill Bond, this is probably the best assassination attempt of James Bond you ever see. You catch the guy at his most vulnerable, you flip the vet up, and you just unload on it upside down from a machine gun. Did, did the, were the, the Japanese government in on the fake? I, I'm unclear about this entirely. That's my, that's my thought on it. I think... They needed, they needed to get Bond in undercover, and they needed him to appear dead. They just went in there with some blanks, fired it up, or, yep. like, had a little switch back when the, the bed goes in, and, you know, he just escapes out to the next room, and he's done, and they just light it up, whatever. Well, I mean... You, you, I, think, I think they have to be in on it at this point. Like, I, I get, you know, you got the body wrapped up, he's got the scuba suit, you know, we'll talk about that after we come out of the uh, end of the credits. The, the whole opening, there's just so much to unpack here. Yeah, the, the rockets are shooting out of Japan, right? So they got to be working with British intelligence to get Bond undercover to see where the, these rockets are being deployed from, just to get into the plot here. You would think, right? I mean, we don't agree. Our tracking station in Singapore reported faint echoes of this craft coming down in the Sea of Japan area. Might I suggest, gentlemen, that this is where you should concentrate your intelligence. Oh, it's so good. I don't know who this actor is. I don't care. This guy should have won an Academy Award for being uberly British. Now, is that like a, is that a Cogni accent? Is that what that is? No, Cogni's way no, different. No. This this is this has got to be like proper Cambridge. I mean, this is this is uber echelon. You know, guy with three names marries girl with three names type territory. Makes it makes sense. I'm terrible with accents. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this guy might as well be named like Davis Love the Third or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> he, he, he is something. He is something with three names. Of somewhere like this, this guy, of this guy of Sussex. Of yeah, this Cambridge. guy. You know, you know, this is this is Winston Duke Earl the Third, the the Archduke of you know Winchester or something of that effect. No yeah, question. He, he needs to be a golf announcer. Put yeah. him on the 18th. He either needs to be a golf announcer. Or he needs to be Lord John Mulberry from uh, the West Wing. If you've ever watched the West Wing. I mean, overall, like getting back to the the meat and potatoes here. This is the overall plot, right? You got spaceship. Pac-Man happening, trying to pit the U.S. against Russia, right? That's playing off the Cold War. This is sure. this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, we 
we already went through this with Thunderball dealing the nukes and potential nuclear war happening here. This is similar, but they just, you know, instead of stealing nukes, they're stealing each other's spaceships. You're basically capitalizing on, on the space race of the Cold War. For me, I thought overall, there wasn't a whole lot to the plot. I absolutely hated that spaceship Pac-Man. I think it gives a little to Bond villain, you know, the home in the layer of where these these ships are being launched from but the overall plot i scored at a three it, it was pretty weak for me having an undercover bond fake his death kind of kind of cheesy for me honestly see i'm uh, i'm i'm scoring it live i'm i'm up at a 7-0 on the plot and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll give you my my contrarian opinion to yours and i think it's important to look at this movie in the 1967 lens and not the 2020 lens and i know that's hard to do right so that's going to allow the blatant racism and sexism and all the nonsense that goes with the rest of this movie the right did a good job here of playing on the fear of the weaponization of space, right? We're still talking about that now, right? I'm, I'm all in there. I'm, I'm good with that. And this falls to me like the same. I feel like I'm going to have a similar opinion here where, where I did with Thunderball, where you got a good plot, you know, you got good ingredients and the execution is shit. The problem is this one, you've got a good framework, but some of the other ingredients are shit too. And that and that's where this whole thing is really gonna fall fall short for me. I think I think it was just really drawn out. I mean there were there were some scenes in this film that I was struggling to get through. Oh um, yeah. You know, but drawn again, out that, of the entire yeah. plot. It, it, again, that, know, that goes into plot. But no, no, I disagree with you. I, that goes into film execution, and that's going to go into other things. The overarching plot here, I think, is decent. You know, once again, Spectre has the ability to try to play two nations against one another in order to, to create global pandemic, war, and now we're talking about the weaponization of space. You got to buy into it a little bit, but it's James Bond film. It's quirky. It's, it is what it is. But you don't find out about the overarching plot for a good point of time. Plot is, is very drawn out. Um, I think it's just it's overdone you know I wasn't I wasn't a fan of the plot unoriginal I feel like it I felt like we just did this at Thunderball kind of am I am I wrong on that like trying to put two countries to war over a nuclear warhead instead of being underwater it's in space stealing each other's spaceship there's still still a common common goal here we're we're y'all missing one part the ninja camp there's a ninja camp that we see here like top secret ninjas in this movie (laughs) it it exists you know i'm not really missing anything here it exists you know, there's top secret ninjas. There's there's rogue astronauts. Listen, we'll we'll get to the we'll get to the ninja storm in the volcano fight scene later. Yeah. But like you know, outside of that, the ninja, ninjas are taking down astronauts and shit. Like yeah. come on, all right. But I mean, look, you know, some some of my notes in here is like right out of the gate, right? We're talking about some of the most blatant racism possible. Uh, you know, why are you know why are Oriental girls? tasting different i mean i'm I'm bumping on this everywhere right my 2020 radar is through the fucking roof watching the beginning of this stuff and yeah i mean uh, in japan men come first break out of that they dump bond off no off the side you know we dig his body up bond is alive he's going to japan we understand what's going on here in terms of you know we'll move into bond performance but we're just talking through some of the plot at this point i, I don't know you know he provides an okay part Henderson seems like the best possible bad guy for this movie, and this guy gets off in like eight seconds. He just comes off eerie, he comes off bad, like he could be the penultimate bad guy, and this guy gets off. That that bothered me a lot. Yeah, and he's he's Blofeld in the future, is he not? The guy who plays Henderson? I think doesn't so. He play, doesn't he play Blofeld in Diamonds Are Forever? I thought so. It's crazy. He did such a good job as Henderson, they're yeah. like, oh, wow, we got to upgrade this guy. Yeah, yeah. He's the new number one. That great performance as Henderson where he gets stabbed through the paper mache wall. I guess we'll yeah. make him Blofeld. In, yes, it is him. And he uh, has like five roles in uh, Diamonds Are Forever because there's like five of them. That makes sense. So anyway, all right, let's get on to Sean uh, Connery's performance as James Bond 007, his fifth attempt at this. Now, obviously, as we know, he'll take a break after this. Some disputes with Saltzman and Broccoli. Um, we also 
also have a new director. Don't have uh, Terrence Young back, so we've got a new look at Bond. So there's probably some of that brought into account to that. What do you think of our friend Sean Connery's fifth performance here as 007? I was not a fan of Bond's son. He asked for permission to come aboard the submarine. It should have been denied. He stopped caring, and it showed throughout the whole movie. I ripped why, it up. Why should it have been denied? Because the movie was all downhill. From the- <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no reason. They're, it's not like they were at war. They're allies. For the fact of finishing the movie, it should have been denied. Yeah, he's just saying it stunk so bad, they should have just, like, ended the movie at the beginning. <laughs> I got nothing from the movie. I, I mean, I'll, I'll agree with you. I hated I hated the whole spin on turning Bond Japanese, and obviously he's standing a, a significant amount taller than most of the people in the film. Whether he was on stilts or not for that, who knows? <laughs> but I scored him a 6.5. I think this is Connery's weakest performance to date, and he wasn't helped at all by the script or the writers here. I feel like he lacked... Some of his some of his quotes were were a little lacking. They were, I mean, entertaining, but you know, a lot of a lot of the quintessential Bond Bond James Bond dropping and and stuff like that really didn't show at all in this film. I 100% agree with you, DJ. I gave it a 7.1. I don't think he was helped out at all. So I kind of felt like. Connery has got him on his own a little bit, but he definitely pulls off the kimono look. Big fan of the kimono look on Connery. Kimono kimono is nice. The makeup, not so much. Not so much. Are we going to dive into that right now? We should. I mean, it's part of the Bond performance. His wig stinks. Yep, yep. Terrible. (laughs) Terrible wig. And I feel like it's like a bad... Obviously, I think this is where they stole it from Team America, where they make Gary a terrorist. You see all these women working around Bond, and it's literally just a wig and eyebrows and like the the team america spoof where there's just like plops of hair on the front of his head and they wrap a towel on him i mean like it's so blatantly stereotypically racist in the worst possible way yep. like mm-hmm. the worst possible way it does nothing for the film it just it's horrific I, I was a big fan of all the uh the girls laughing at his chest hair <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, while they're like while he's going under the procedure they're just dying laughing at his chest hair it's nothing they've ever seen before yeah. like, like austin powers like right but the, i mean they make they make reference to it as well as bird doesn't make nest an empty tree or whatever <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like they reference that several times outside of them just laughing at his hairy chest like yeah. i guess japanese men didn't have hairy chests before like, he gets a sponge bath i believe the term you're looking for is a civilized bath civilized right. bath <laughs> I saw a tiger. My friend, now you take your first civilized bath. Really? Well, I like the plumbing. Place <laughs> yourself entirely in their hands, my dear born son. Rule number one is never do anything for yourself when someone else can do it for you. And number two? Rule number two, in Japan, men always come first. Women come second. I may just retire to here. <laughs> <laughs> I think after this scene, he probably should have just retired right then and there. Your English girls would never perform this simple service. I think I know one or two who might get round to it. Miss Money, very perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I love it takes a dumb money penny right here. Son, just like you. That's probably the high point of Bond's performance in this movie. If I have to really make a make a suggestion. I agree. I think you got some really good quotes here, and he was back to his old tricks. <laughs> Maybe the second best part of Bond's performance of the entire movie. Him dictating to Tanaka to bring little Nelly to Japan is probably about the second best of it. But that's probably the high point. I'm a I'm a six point five I'm sorry, I'm a five point oh on this one. Falls flat cross board. Connery is clearly phoning it in. It's it's a car he's a caricature of of the Bond in the previous movies. And even from Thunderball to this one, it's just such a drop off. You can you can just tell looking through the screen that he doesn't give a shit to be there. I had him at a 5.0 as well. He's 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 taking a paycheck and going home. He wasn't even on the same set like with the producers and directors. Like they would not look at each other. He skipped the premieres. He pissed off the whole country of Japan as well. So it was a pretty bad ending. Well, we got to the villain of the film. Um, I'm guessing that's the uh, the Pac-Man spaceship. Is that the official villain of this film? Blofeld, it's man. Pir- it's a piranha. Oh. <laughs> no, Blofeld. He makes his actual... Uh, the unmasking face. of Blofeld. Yeah. yeah, you actually see his face in this one. And it, is it a hideous one, man? Brutal. Brutal. Hate now, to be that guy. Yeah. Now, ha- having seen him in a number of other movies, one of the things that I found most interesting is obviously you get the big reveal of, of Blofeld here. 
but I feel like they either changed the voice, changed the dub. It went from this like mysterious Dr. E, you know, Dr. Claw kind of thing from Inspector Gadget to having this really terrible high-pitched voice. And I, and I felt it took away from the character the entire movie. It's like listening to Ben Affleck trying to do a Boston accent. It just, it, it eliminates any credibility of the character the entire movie. That I bumped on that big time, you know, and then they just kill off number 11 right out of the gate, like just a complete total waste right there. Yeah, but he's got a pretty awesome layer, though. Can we talk about his layer? Sure. I, I, get, I gave him a 6.5 on this purely based on the assets that Blofeld has going on here, right? I mean, you've got a, you've got a pretty sweet volcano layer. You've got your own astronauts. You've got a huge army. Right around. You've got the aluminum foil monorail, right? It's super shiny. It literally looks like the whole thing. They, they covered it in aluminum foil. And, like, they've apparently figured out space travel better than anybody on the planet because they can quickly shoot something into space and bring it back down to the same point without killing anybody. So they've got everything going for him here in terms of super secret layer for sure. I love, I mean, I love the layer. I do love that he's unmasked, whether it was good or bad. I do like that you finally see Blofeld's face. It was essential for Bond to have a one-on-one -on -one interaction with Mm -hmm. number one before they write off Spectre altogether. They steered away in Goldfinger, which was nice, and then kind of brought it back with Thunderball and, and then back here. I think they needed to have a little, uh, little back and forth here. Ultimately, yeah, do you wish Blofeld was a little bit more intimidating? Do you wish he was, you know, a little bit more of a, a more one-on-one -on -one combat kind of guy? Yeah, absolutely. But he didn't get to number one yeah. for those reasons. He got, he got to number one for his brain. I and look, I'm fine with number one, not being a combat guy, right? Goldfinger wasn't a combat guy, but Goldfinger was still like, you know, he's an intimidating villain. The Blofeld voice just did so little to advance the character's scariness or overall peace for me. It just took so much away. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but at the same time, I, I gave it a 7.8. When I think of Blofeld, I think of this guy. I think of like the hideous face, I think of like this his uniform that he wears. I think about his lair. Given that, just on his overall performance, I gave it a 7.8. And I'm not factoring in number 11 yet. She's definitely a henchman, and we'll get into that later. Now, what are we, what are you, so we're talking about villains here. Where, do you, uh, where are we putting Mr. Osada and Osada Industries on this one? I don't, I don't want to get off Blofeld quite yet. One thing that actually – I was pretty much with you, Mike, with a 6.5 and yeah. then – Blofeld dropped one of the funniest quotes of the entire movie that gets completely overlooked. You know, he walks in behind these, uh, the Chinese guys at the table and he goes, must congratulate you gentlemen on your superb equipment. <laughs> can, can we not, can we not talk about that? Is that like just a slight on their fucking manhood here? Like, <laughs> I mean, again, we're, we're looking at everything in the 1960s right. lens. There's just blatant racism so, everywhere. He's, he's just, he's just fucking hammering that point home. He's like, dude, I've got a bigger dick than everyone at this table because you're all Chinese. Let's, let's, let's talk about our friend. James Bond, allow me to introduce myself. I am Ernst Stavro Blofeld. They told me you were assassinated in Hong Kong. Yes, this is my second life. You only live twice, Mr. Bond. I love the reveal of Blofeld popping his face around the side. But why does he wait like 15 seconds to move that random German dude's ass out of his way? Like, <laughs> like he just waits like German ass. There he is, it's the big reveal. Ernst Blofeld, obviously numero uno, number one. I scored it a seven overall. I had him at a 6.0 in a fact about the volcano lair. It costs more money to build that than the entire budget of Dr. No. Now, to be fair, the entire budget of Dr. No, I think, was only like a million dollars. The entire yeah. the entire movie. Yeah, they're, they're raking it in at this point. They're doing just fine. Yeah, they're doing okay. Yeah. So, uh, all right, moving on. Let's, um, are we, we still on, we still on villains? Do you want to, we want to keep, we want to talk about Osada here or we want to move them? Do you want to say, is he a henchman? Where, where, where do we fall Mr. Osada and Osada Industries here? I kind of put him as a henchman. Yeah. Did you see how demoted he was? He's on the computers. Yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't get my, my conversation of Bond villain. That's fine. Sorry, they're, they're a chief funder of all these organizations. I think it's worth, worth conversation. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Bond girl. Stinks. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> well, that was my first question. Is like, who, who actually is the Bond girl in this movie? Going into the exactly. rewatch, I could not think of their names. I did but not. Is it? There's, there's not a significant Bond girl established yeah. whatsoever. You've got a few people that come and go, and then you end up with final Bond girl, which is Kissy Suzuki, who is never actually introduced by her name. No. She's never introduced 
to the, the audience here. The only reason you know who she is is because of the end credits. Yes. Great name. I said this to the guys before you got on the call. A huge plot bump for me. I understand they're sneaking him in on a fishing boat as a newly wedded Japanese man. Why do we go through the effort to hold an actual wedding ceremony and then she turns around and says, yeah, we're actually not going to sleep together because we're not really married. But you actually held the wedding ceremony. Yeah. What is the point of any of that screen time at all? In my opinion, I enjoyed one piece of the interaction with Helga Brandt, which I would throw into to your Bond girl. After Bond sleeps with her, just says the things that I would do for England. So Yes, like, as he's know, on he, Obviously, he's not like over the moon about this girl. He's just like, oh, okay, things I do. Yeah. Whether it was backhand or not, sure no one twisted his arm to, to lay the pipe, but you know, you gotta you gotta throw that quote in there. And then Aki was just basic, nothing nothing special. Yeah. He gets the news from Tiger that he's gonna have to marry somebody and he's like, Oh, he asked how she looks like. He said, Oh, well she has a face like a pig. Yeah. Mom's like, the hell with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, look, of the, the cadre of Bond girls we're talking about here, I think Aki is the best looking of all of them. I think, she's the most, I think she's the most useful, right? Her timing in terms of rolling up and getting him out of situations is fantastic. But then all of a sudden, she just gets off. Like, it's, that's it. She's over. I do, I do like her death, though. It, it, is, it is a good one. Very I mean, I'll touch I'll touch on that on on deaths at the end I guess unless you want to touch on it now whatever you want I mean I'm a I'm a five zero leaves a lot to be desired I I give it a two I absolutely hated every Bond girl here I don't think there was one person here that could hold the flame to to any of the past Bond girls I'm probably when this is all said and done I'm probably gonna have this movie as one of the lowest rated Bond yeah. girls of all time. You're probably right. Uh, I'll, I'll amend to a four because I do find a key useful in the first half of this movie, and then obviously she's off, and then she's gone. She plays a very important role in, in the first half of this movie. She's relatively useful. She does some. She does some interesting things. She's not bad looking in, in, by Bond girl standards, but on the whole, this whole the whole category falls flat to me. I was at a two, but you mentioned her usefulness at the beginning. I'm bumping her up to a three I, I don't think you can get any worse than this honestly I, I put it at a one that's only because that's as low as i could possibly go then our first one of the podcast well yeah it's possible yeah it, it's a one it's a one for me guys like i just unrememberable about anything there's not one characteristic of, of any of them that i really care for there weren't any great intros bond's best lines came when he was getting the bath that he didn't even pull any of those really they're not there at the most important in the volcano sequence i agree Trey. it disappeared uh I scored it a two because I probably felt bad about giving it a one. If <laughs> <laughs> I could have put it a point one, I would have. Yeah. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Now pay attention. Tanaka, listen in on 410 megacycles. Good luck, Bunsan. I'll contact you when I get over the island. Okay. Be careful, Bunsan. Bunsan. Look again, James Bond is randomly wearing a helmet for the first time. Second time. It's, it's, a, it's a batting helmet. It's a baseball batting helmet. With there's, the, there's nothing more secret. There's nothing more secret agent than a batting helmet with a camera while he's flying around on a lawnmower. Like, it's, it's a build-your-own. It's a build-your-own helicopter. Little Nelly's a build-your-own helicopter. Like yeah. comes, pack it up with aluminum foil things on the side. I mean, it's. But listen, Bond is now using protection for the second time in his life. Yeah, he's wearing head protection for the second time. I mean, he probably should have worn it before he got himself cast for this movie and decided not to be a part of it. But. You know, hey, at least he's taking precaution. I mean, uh, I'm a 5'5 five five on the guns, cars, and gadgets here. And I'm, and I'm taking a big creative liberty. Feel free to push back on this. But I am roping in the ninjas as part of the guns, cars, and gadgets here. Because none of them are actually humans in this movie. They're basically toys. For the only reason my 5'5. Five five. Love the little Nelly. Obviously love the little interactions there. Like the cigarette guns, there's some quirky stuff. The best gadgets are Tanaka's. Like the fact that Tanaka has a luxury private train that travels underneath Tokyo is fantastic. And I love that he takes pot shots at M, being like, oh, of course M has something like this under London, right? Like that's just awesome. Like that, that train is awesome. On the whole, it still, again, falls flat. It's a 5-5 five five for me. I don't think it necessarily falls flat, but I don't think it was the best. I scored it a seven. I did like Little Nelly. I did like the usefulness of the cigarette gun. It was essential in the volcano scene. I liked the giant magnet. Yeah, that's it, seven. The giant magnet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to get into that in the chase scene, but... Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's a gadget, right? Yeah, like, it is. It is. It is. Little Nelly has more gadgets on this little helicopter than any car we've seen yet. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And that's why I love Little Nelly. I love Little Nelly. I love the rocket guns. I love the cigarette guns because, to DJ's point, it got him out of the situation that he was in, the volcano lair. Yeah. I gave it a 7.9. I This is like the guns, cars, and gadgets without the car. And this is a movie without the car. I think this is probably the strongest category of any of the categories in the film right now. For, for me, anyways, gadgets and the chase scene, which we'll talk about later, is the strongest points of this movie. I had gadgets and villain of the highest to this point, both at a seven. Yeah, villain as well. I agree. I'm at a six because this is the only movie Bond does not drive a car or have a car. I like the safe tracker too, another practical, simple tool he used. And I also factored in the whole cover-up at the beginning, faking his own death, the cocoon, the underwater breather. Again, utilizing everything he's been given. So I'm at a 6.0. Fred, back to your point about Lil Nelly. Like, you know that Bond enjoys that gadget because even, remember his interaction when he was on the phone? He's like, oh, is my girl going to be there? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's referring to the helicopter. Yes. Like, I think a lot of this score is carried by Lil Nelly. How is that for Japanese efficiency? Just to drop in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Just he's to not drop wrong. in the ocean. Yeah. I also had no idea, and I had to look this up, because one of my notes, I initially believed that they were wrong in this movie, but apparently it turns out that the Japanese also drive on the other side of the road, or at least they did back in the 60s. Because I, I bumped on that and was like, I thought there was only one or two countries on the planet that did that. Apparently Japan was one for a long time. We can talk more about it during the chase scene, but... I just thought it was enjoyable as as a gadget that there's just a giant <laughs> fucking magnet dangling from a helicopter. Yeah. Let's dive, can we dive right into the chase scene? Can we just go ahead and do that category? Let's go. Yeah, I mean, let's we do can, it. Yeah, we're talking about the magnet. Let me have one on with the best part with the best part of the chase scene of the entire. You have the high ground on the conveyor belt. How do you miss? First, yeah. Okay. There's there's a scene. Miss? There's a scene right before this where Aki like climbs down or climbs up a rope, and it's an obviously it's a man with a wig. <laughs> It's so yeah. like, so so these two so not only so these two idiots get on the conveyor belt on the low ground with a knife, and he's sitting on the high ground with a gun. How do you miss from three feet away? Now, more importantly, what's so evident here is Bond is so out of shape. Watch him run across the the, the walkway. You can see him sucking wind. Then he hops over and throws a punch. When he throws a punch, you're gonna laugh your ass off because he misses this guy. There's clearly like there's social distancing. It is not Connery's finest moment as well. Like, there, I like the tossing of the stick before he goes in that door. Yeah, the bamboo stick. You're just like, yes. all right, I don't oh. need this. <laughs> oh, and it was just, it's just cringeworthy. Um, you, you almost kind of have to think about it. Like, do they film that from such a distance because it's cringeworthy? Are they just like, all right? Connery, thanks for all your effort here, but we, we can't go so close on this fight scene because you're blatantly missing people and out of breath. I, I think it's more of like they got the budget to do aerial sequences with the helicopters and and they just want they thought it was gonna look cool, honestly. That that's my guess. I mean, you had a new director, new cinematographer. The guy's got five years, or let me rephrase that, five movies worth of stunt capability it just goes back to the bond performance that he's just phoning it in here i didn't recall seeing a shot like that in previous movies from up no, first time. i think it's one of the first helicopter scenes they ever did as we all agree just failed direction honestly on yeah. this movie very 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 bad directing but we can't talk about the quintessential chase and fight scenes without that car chase and without the fight scene in the volcano and and the uh helicopter chase helicopter chasing was good Little and, Nelly. Uh, he fights, Bond fights a sumo wrestler in this. Which is hilarious. The model explosions and, and the model explosions in this movie are just god awful. Whether it's Little Nelly's dope though. Look at all those, look at all those oh. rocks. Yeah. This, that's my favorite Connery chasing. Um, Little Nelly. Trey, back to your, your point about Bond fighting a sumo wrestler. Yeah. Just, I, I can't, I can't picture that scene without thinking about Awesome Powers and having Fat Bastard in the sumo wrestling, like... Absolutely. That's obviously where it came from. With the strings. Right. <laughs> like, all, all of that is just, like, intertwined in my brain at this point. It's just like, well, there it is. That's that's the direct inspiration there. Yeah. And, like, even even the scene in uh, Osaka's Industries, all those were, like, when, when Bond's interacting with them... 
I, I think my favorite part about this fight, though, is after Bond beats him, he pours himself a lot because he just happens to he just happens to throw him through the bar. I'm like, oh look, the vodka. Yes. <laughs> kind of jealous of that. <laughs> Immediately knows to pour himself a vodka. That's an underrated fight to me. It's really good. The other uh, fight scene at the end with uh, the big German guy, I think his name's Hans. That's yep. also a pretty decent scene, too. I Honestly, based on fight scene, I'm just going to double-check my score. Yeah, I gave it a 7.0. I'm at a 6.0. Two great car chases, helicopter chases, whatever we want to call it. The fight scenes, the combat were good. I'm at a, I'm at a 6.5 on here. Initially, I scored the fight scenes a 4, but I might bump that up to a 5, 5.5. You guys make some good points, and and I, Trey, I agree with you. I do like that helicopter scene a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that score will probably go off for me. I'll probably I'll probably bump that to a five five. You guys are also forgetting. If you want to talk about a quintessential scene here, you'll need the best man we've got. And uh, who do you suggest? Well, me. Somehow, even though that James Bond is a Navy man, he is a uh, specialist at landing planes that are in complete freefall. Here, after the Goldfinger fiasco, don't blame him for getting his aviation license. Yeah, she gets you know, he gets locked in the back. She dives out with the parachute. I have got oh, great, great, great moment of dialogue. I, I have a more important appointment. I'm out. The the yeah. most unathletic get out of a plane sequence. They're going oh, like terrible, ass backwards, like falling out. But the most important judo chop to date. Oh, right through the wood? Just um, we're missing we're missing the scene before that though, where he actually gets found out to not be this dude, right? That whole scene in the office there when he's talking to the two of them. The scene's great where they, they've got the camera with the gun on them and they're they 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 got the uh, the x-ray that they realize he's carrying that on them. Yeah, great. Yep. All I'm thinking about is Austin Powers, oh, eat shit, talkie mushrooms. <laughs> it's like the, that's the same like setup yes, just in the office, you know, talking to these, you know, think that that was the direct comparison to that scene there. I mean, since we're talking about the more important scenes of the movie. Colonel, you better take a look at this radar. What is it, son? I don't know, sir, but it looks like a giant dick. Yeah. Take a look at a starboard. Oh my God, it looks like a huge. This this movie pulled a lot of awesome powers like that like, gets a hundred moves. It really did. Let's talk about the opening credits. Let's talk about the song. Let's talk about Nancy Sinatra delivering us You Only Live Twice. Guys, yeah. I, I am on the opposite. I know I'm on the opposite end of this. This song, I don't it's so catchy to me. It's a top five song for me. I think you're I, out of your fucking mind. You are out I of your fucking love mind. this song. This I love it. The album, I love the album cover. I love this song. Oh, no. Mike, you know, like, Mike just play it for us. Play it for us, please. Well, I'll, I'll play it, but, like, like the way this gets stuck in your head, this is the way, like, Baby Shark gets stuck in your fucking head. This is this is not a top five Bond song, a top three Bond song. Any I love way, it. shape, or fucking. I love it. No fucking way. No way. Nancy Sinatra disagrees. There's a reason Frank said no. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back Tom Jones. We're too late. Well, at least he died on the job. Good quote. He'd have wanted it this way. Yep. American cops will be. Yeah, they're in Hong Kong. I agree with you, Mike. I don't think the song is great. I think the opening sequence is. I think the opening sequence is essential to the plot. I think you get you get a good quote in there. The credits are are decent enough. I don't yeah. think they're bad. I'll probably give I'll, I'll probably give you a four or five because I do I do like the assassination of Bond. That's good. 
but the the song and the the corresponding graphics around the song just brings so much down to me. This one, for some reason, and this is just me, I feel like the gun barrel doesn't look like Connery at all. Really? I don't know why I bumped on it because like, obviously I know it was Connery, but like it just it doesn't look like Connery at all to me. I scored it a six total. I didn't like the song, but I like the sequence. I like the credits. The song just doesn't do it for me. I think it's a little boring. Honestly, like Nancy Sinatra's voice is a little annoying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't love it. Didn't love the song. But six overall for, for the rest of the pieces. I was at 5.5. Everything was okay. Didn't love the song. Didn't hate it. Was not a fan of like the video in the background. She's got a decent voice. I love the opening, how it's something different, but nothing notable. Yeah, guys, uh, I gave it an eight. I, I I love the song. I like the opening sequence. I love the opening scene. I had to double check to make sure I'm not a crazy person and I'm not the only one who like loves this song. So I had to look up to see what Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone has a number three of all time Bond songs. So I feel a little bit better now. Trey, I think you and Rolling Stone, respectfully, are on drugs. <laughs> Trey, I'll quarantine um, drugs right I'll now. sneak peek. I'll sneak peek into the, uh, the the website rankings that I did for songs. That'll be like an episode towards the end of this entire thing. But I'll sneak into it just a little bit. I'll let you know that you only live twice is in the top five overall rated Bond songs. Uh, that just means I have good taste. You all, you're all based on music stinks. I'll die on that hill any goddamn day. This song, <laughs> this song stinks. This opening is terrible. When I say opening, I mean like the opening credits over. Yeah, yeah. But the actual I'm, opening is good. It's good, but it's just anchored. It is cement shoes by this song. The, the stupid high-pitched twill that is part of the soundtrack throughout the entire thing. I mean, it's just bad. Everything um, you hate, I love about it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You know what's not bad, though? You know what's not bad in this movie? The henchmen and the supporting cast. Give me, give me the British diplomat any day of the week. Give me the army of ninjas. Give me the full army in Blofeld's, you know, volcano lair. Up in like 7-5 on the henchmen in this cast. I mean, uh, number I 11. Think, I think fantastic. you were flying too high, man. Oh, 100%. No way. Listen, Sky high. Dude. Counter, Listen. Let's counter with number 11. Give me, dude, give, me, like, give me the army Osada. of unnamed henchmen and support people across the board. You got, you got a multi-millionaire as, as, a, as a henchman here. You got a conversation at Tiger. Tiger Tanaka, is a fucking forced relationship. Who cares? Tanaka's got a sumo wrestler on payroll at telling Bond where to go. That guy's got his own fucking train. Dude, Tiger Tiger is terrible, in my opinion. His voice is terrible as a character. He doesn't have the uh, he doesn't have the personality. Friend of Bond. No, Kareem no, of a, uh, a Kareem Bay. He's got more assets. Listen, I think I think the relationship between Bond and Tiger felt forced on screen. I felt Tiger as a character probably could have stood on his own, but I don't think he really needed to be the guy interacting with Bond. There was there was one quote when they when they introduced themselves to each other, right? Delivery of the that given response. How do I know that you know, if you're Tiger, then you know he's like, well, I love you, or like however that delivery was. I was, love that. You know, but it, I mean that was all driven by Money Penny, right? And yeah. Bond, yeah. Was, Bond was just like, I'm not. Oh, yeah, I think I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The delivery of that from Tiger to Bond was terrible. The interaction between Money Penny and Bond in that sequence was great the interaction between tiger then bond on that same sequence terrible see i i gave him the nickname of tiger king because he saved bond at the end with that ninja star kind of like tiger a little bit i agree with you it is a little bit forced it's probably especially in the 60s how do none of specter and blofeld's people have guns how are they losing to a bunch of ninjas with swords how are they not just pulling out guns and shooting people or they're missing their shot well, Which the trading they're, they're ninjas. They don't carry guns. Yeah, I, I get the ninjas. I'm talking about like the, the Spectre henchmen just don't have guns. They're just running at people in these scenes. They're, they're not carrying guns. Like there's machine yeah. guns outside of the volcano that are just mowing down ninjas. And then all of a sudden these guys break in and nobody's walking around with guns. Yeah, then that, that fight sequence would end it very quickly. 
very, very quickly. That really bumps on me is like, so Bond jumps on the monorail, hops over, and frees the captured astronauts with an exploding grenade off the front of the door. Three inches from the other prep room where the astronauts, there's nobody here that this guy just blew the door off this fucking place. Yeah, and number 11 stinks. I want to talk about how bad number 11 is. There's a reason she's number 11 and not anywhere in the top five of Spectre organization. Agreed, number 11. Thanks, awful, awful uh, getaway on the plane. Her, she sleeps with Bond. Just because, just because, like yep. just especially I mean, wanted. Yeah, to. You, you, well, Bond did it for England. What did yeah, she do? Well, well, Bond did it for England, but what did, what is she doing it for? Yeah, <laughs> poor execution. I, I just think she just really wanted the meat wallet filled. Yeah, and then we'll talk about her death later. But her death was the best part about her. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Scored the supporting cast, Henchman and MI6, a 4.5 here. I didn't think it was very good. I gave the exact same score, 4.5. We briefly touched on it. The little banter between Moneypenny and Bond where she's trying to get him to repeat, I love you, yep. and he's like, I think I got it. I kind of liked, liked it. I liked it. That was a nice scene. He was struggling so hard with that little fucking mechanism there. And then all of a sudden, like, it just suddenly clicks. And then there it is. There's just a button. Blow this <laughs> shit up. Like, fuck that. The self-destruct button was too easily accessible. Yeah. You're like, if you're, if you're a villain, why, why establish a self-destruct button? Is the wannabe Red Grant getting kicked into the piranhas? Is that the, the, the ultimate villain death here, right? Because obviously Blofeld escapes. Uh, number is 11, it, too. Is I, it the explosion number, of the... Piranhas, piranhas ate well, man. Piranhas ate well. They got yeah. number 11 the, the and they got the Red Grant. Those are, those are both of them. That's, that's yeah. the penultimate villain deaths. The piranhas ate well. They got, they got all the glory here. But when you talk about villain deaths or just like accessory deaths, I thought the poison on the string was fucking great. Yeah. I thought, I thought Aki taking that was, was brilliant. Um, whether it's practical in real life, who knows? But it worked for that scene. She took she took the one for Bond right there, un- unintentionally, but took unintentionally, it. <laughs> unintentionally, but took it. Entire volcano layer is exploding. Where does Blowfield go? Like like where does he escape to? Yeah, I don't know. That particular Blowfield, we see like come back later on in like the Roger Moore. Like, you don't see his face again for some right. whatever reason. I guess I couldn't get the actor. But I don't know where he goes. We'll see him again in the next movie, and we'll talk about it then. Like, if there's some confusion there, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the, the entire layer is imploding. I have, I, have an ans- I have an answer to your question. Okay. Question I, I love Austin Powers. Same, same. <laughs> I love Austin Powers. For the sake of the podcast, I scored the conclusion of Villain Deaths a four. I thought Blowfield getting away was weak. I thought, you know, Prana Death's great. But other than that, there was really nothing here for me. I'm a, I'm a 4.5. I'm, I'm with you. Not a lot going on here. Number 11, Dying by the Piranhas. That's probably that's my favorite villain death. I liked how the way like old bridge lifted up. She falls down, dead. You think it's gonna be Asada for a second? It's not. It's her. Bam, dead. I gave it five point five. Four point five. Uh, all right, let's talk about some quotes here. Hold on, soup's got us. I was at five point five again. Nothing special. Like you guys covered all the faults with it. Not good. You were at a five point five. Yeah. That's a change for you. Right? Yeah. High, seven. High scoring soups went low on this yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I rewatched uh, part of it again today and made some slight adjustments. Yeah, we did skip quotes, which was probably the best part of the movie. I was a little higher on the quotes because there was some pretty good one-liners. I'm a 7.0 here. I-, I like when Tanaka comes into the mix. A key starts talking to Bond, saying that she thinks she's going to in- enjoy serving under him. Great line. Bond makes a great face there. I also love when they do when they go through the little Dom Perignon 59 versus 53 piece when he meets Mr. Osato. And number 11 is like Mr. Osato believes in a healthy chest as she turns and pops herself out. You know, I mean, there's some, there's some, there, there are actually some pretty good ones in there. I'll agree with you. Uh, most of them I've kind of already referenced one category or another, but. Yeah, uh, obviously we got the blatantly racist ones here that are, that are meant to be good in the 1960s. Let's make yeah. sure we caveat that. 
Yeah, I mentioned I mentioned the uh, the superb equipment by Blofeld was <laughs> pretty funny. In Japan, men come first. I think that that was a great quote in the intro. The Chinese women taste different. Mike, I also thought the uh, the sake at ninety eight point four was great. The fact that it was a European delivering that instead of, you know, Tiger or someone like that is mm-hmm. is notable. I scored quotes overall 6.5. I was at a 6.0. You guys covered everything I had except for, I think it was a submarine scene. Tell him to come below and report. And with one of the random chicks, what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? It's been used in so many movies after this. Yeah, uh, I gave it a six as well. I, there's one thing we didn't touch on. I like how number 11 like has Bond. She's like, well, I got you now. And then Bond just is like, well, enjoy yourself. Kind of like, yeah. you got me. What now? now, what? now <laughs> what, what's yeah. next? <laughs> yeah. Just not, one more thing we didn't, I don't know how we didn't mention this. MI6 is in a submarine. We're, they're like in a submarine. Did we mention that? They, they, he's got they the shorts to. and the high socks on. And yes. Creepier, but it's for now, it's a big difference. Everybody everyone's to in over that side of the world, man. But everyone's in uniform. I love it. It's a cold war, bro. I've got right. you now. Well, enjoy yourself. <laughs> Who are you working for? Empire Chemicals, you know that. Do all their people carry gun? Yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's, that's a really good one. Fast acting in a video. I think similar to I think similar to Thunderball here, right? You had an overarching thing that could have been successful that was executed even more poorly than Thunderball. You had some good quotes, but everything else kind of fell short here. Again, you know, I think you had some rotten ingredients as part of the Bond stew. That's kind of where I was on this one. This is my lowest score to date. Well, Mike, since you scored this live, why don't you run us through your score and then yep. I'll give you everyone's other scores. Yeah, if I tallied this right, I'm a 57.5 overall. Yep. I was a 7 on the plot. I liked that. I was a 5-0 on Bond. I was a 6.5 on the villain. 4 on the girl. 5.5 on the gadgets. 7-0 on the, cat, on the supporting cast and the henchmen. 4.5 on the credits. 6.5 on the chase. 7 on the quotes. 4.5 on the death, bringing me to a 57.5, my first sub-60 score. So I think we're all kind of pretty close here. So with Mike's 57.5, you had two scores lower than that, which was myself and Soup. Um, Soup scored at a 52.5, and I scored at a 52. And as anticipated, Trey scored this the highest of the group at 60. He warned us on that, though. Yeah, no, yeah. He, uh, he said he might enjoy this a little bit more, but I mean, overall, that's not a huge discrepancy, scores. Although Trey is highest of all of us, they're all pretty much in the same ballpark. Overall, I had here Trey at a 5.2 for plot, a 7.1 for Bond performance, 7.8 for Bond villain, a 1 for Bond girl, a 7.9 for Guns, Cars, Gadgets, an 8 for the opening sequence and song. <laughs> a 4.5 for supporting cast, a 7 for the chase and fight scenes, 6 for quotes, and a 5.5 for conclusions and deaths. I had myself at a 3 for plot, 6.5 in Bond performance, 7 at Bond villain, 2 for Bond girl, 7 for guns, cars, gadgets, 6 for opening song and sequence, 4.5 for supporting cast, 5.5 for chase and fight scene, 6.5 for quotes, and 4 for conclusions and deaths. That brought me to 52. And Soup at a four for plot, five for Bond performance, six for Bond villain, three for Bond girl, six for Guns, Cars, Gadgets, 5.5 opening song and sequence, 5.5 supporting cast, a six for chase and fight scenes, a six for quotes, and a 5.5 for conclusions and deaths at a 52.5. Does that sound right to all you guys? Yeah. Uh, I think I had 47.5, but all the scores you read were correct. The finals just got jumbled up. Well, then I guess you just didn't do your math right. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah, it's, a good, it's a good thing Supol is teaching the youth of America. Yeah. <laughs> where, where do y'all got this one? Where, where do you think it's going to land in your... Bottom five, absolutely. Bottom five, okay. You think it'll fall under your bottom five? Absolutely. Hard to say this is going to land in the bottom five. This is going to be in the bottom ten for sure. Uh, it's probably in the bottom, you know, five through ten. It's probably like the listen. Seven, bottom seven. ten, bottom ten. A lot of films can fall in that. We're only talking about twenty-four right. films here, so yeah. I'm thinking like top five and bottom five. I don't think I can extend it in like maybe for the top, I'll, I'll call fine. it a ten. But for the bottom, I can't call it a ten. Yeah, I mean, this is probably like the fifth or sixth worst. Is really what I'm where I'm trying to go with. 
it may not crack it, but it's probably there. It's probably like the fifth. You know, there's a couple of really bad ones coming up. There's a there's quite a few bad ones coming up. I, I think it's going to be like somewhere. It's not in the top ten for me. Probably going to be closer to fifteen. I don't know where just yet. Trey, I agree with you. I don't I don't think it's going to come anywhere near my top ten, but I. Also, don't think it's going to be in my bottom five. There are a few stinkers. Currently, as I'm rewatching, I'm kind of in that lull right now. So I know. Uh, yeah, well, once you, once you get into that like 70s, 80s doldrum, it, it gets rough, man. Um, in the 90s, you got like Tomorrow Never Dies in there. Yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies and Die Another Day. Uh, look, I, I think Die Another Day is terrible. I don't think Tomorrow Never Dies is anywhere near as bad as this one. I agree. I don't think Tomorrow Never Dies is as bad as people say it is, but we'll get to that on that podcast. Yep. Bottom um, five. But I don't, I don't think that this film particular is a bottom five Bond film. I think it's not a top ten for sure, but it just kind of falls in the middle somewhere. It, it happened. This was Connery's demise. You know, this is, he's, he's done. You can see it. You can see it. You can see it. He is finished. As a, as a, as a Bond actor, he is finished. Yeah, this is where he should have stopped, but he doesn't. He's phoning well, it, man. Well, he, he tried, he, to, he tried to He tried to. Yeah. yeah. And he got roped back in. Like, I didn't like this movie, but I didn't think it was bottom five in the Bond spectrum. Soup, you got some trivia for us? I toss in all my trivia questions throughout the podcast. I did uh, leave out a few uh, on the personal aspect. Uh, Bon, uh, Sean Connery's wife actually did the stunts for the swimming. The Bond girl, the forgettable one, could not swim. She also could not drive, so they had a stunt driver for that very simple car chase. Sean Connery made many statements about Japanese women that pissed off the whole country at him. So it was pretty ugly behind the scenes all around. It's not like Thunderball or Dr. No where he's partying his ass off, getting all the girls. There's no good behind the scenes content here and he's he's only 37 in this movie it's not like he's roger moore-esque like super old like we're gonna see i don't how old is roger moore in live or let in his first do we know that i think high 50s in his first movie oh no i think his last one some i read someone he ends at 57 i wonder if sean connery is younger in his last movie than roger moore's on his first movie. It's probably close. I want to say, I, I thought Roger Moore started in his late 30s. Just to put in perspective what we're about to, what kind of like, <laughs> whoa, we're about to go into here. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Lazenby is like 25, I think. Although, if I remember correctly, didn't um didn't Daniel Craig start late? Wasn't he like 36 or 38 in his first one? Maybe. I thought probably. He, he pulls it off though. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get there. All right. Let's, uh, any any last thoughts before I close this out? Absolutely fucking not. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to On Her Majesty's. Fook me, that was fast. Fook you. Oh, you're going the right way for a smack bottom, and I don't care who knows it. <laughs> Austin. This is my twin sister. Her name, Fook you. Fook you. Fook me. See? <laughs>